Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, to break down all the news of the day. Monday's Big 10-6 win over the Washington Nationals. I'm, of course, going to be doing it with my main partner in crime. I have many partners in crime. You do. My main man. <laughs> my main man. Kevin Henry of Fansided and Call to the Pen. What's going on, Kev? Dude, it's all good. Let's talk Rockies win. It's good to see you. Yes, likewise. We'll have Susie coming in. She's uh, down in Washington, D.C. She'll be calling in from Nationals Park to get some update. We'll talk with Jesse Friedman down in Arizona. What's going on with the Diamondbacks? Their whole RSN situation. How are you able to watch Diamondbacks games if you live in Arizona? It's it's a wild situation, but wild to see the Rockies still winning ball games here, 6-3 and three, since the All-Star break. They win 10-6 last night. Get the tacos, score two runs, multiple runs, in five different innings, including the last four, and maybe the strangest statistic or the most uh, unbelievable one, if you will, eight for 16 with runners in scoring position. And, you know, whenever uh, Thomas Harding sent out the tweet that Ryan McMahon was going to get a night off and Trejo was going to go in at third, I know some of the folks were like, oh, you know, but Trejo coming through with a bunch of big hits last night, and, of course, Nolan Jones. I mean, it was good to see that from the Rockies, especially – on a day, you know, when a trade happens, you don't ever know how things are going to uh, they're going to respond. But the, they came out firing. Hearing the combination of Nojo and Trejo, that does sound like an '80s buddy cop <laughs> series. You know, I don't know if it gets the the full length movie treatment or if it's more of a television series. But Nojo and Trejo, or Trejo and Nojo, either way, that's a winning combination. And then there's some crazy orangutan in the back or something like that with them. You know, something I'd, I'd watch that. Let's be honest. Right turn, Clyde. <laughs> For anyone who knows any which way but loose, yeah. I mean, come on, Clint Eastwood. Anywho, uh, three-hit game for Alan Trejo, the first of his career. Tovar with three hits. Randall Grichik heating up at the right time for sure. Uh, where the trade deadline, uh, I think Trejo actually had four hits. Uh, and uh, and and like you said, Nolan Jones, he's really been that. Not even just a breath of fresh air. He's just a player that I think fans right now can hang their hang their hat on and say, no, this is definitely a dude for the future, not just even a contributing player, but a guy that could begin next year, perhaps uh, with a really good first half could start to get some recognition as somewhat of a, an all-star kind of candidate as homered in two of his last three games now has nine on the year and his year did not really start with the Rockies and, uh, until May. No. And, and if you think about it, he's not just hitting home runs, he's hitting long home runs. I mean, he's making some massive contact and I think you're right. I think he's starting to generate that buzz about, you know, it started out who is this guy. And all of a sudden people are starting to realize the skill set that came along with it. And it is, you know, Hey, let's give props to Bill Schmidt for this one. You know, I mean, it's one that uh, they decided was a good one to add into the arsenal. And so uh, he is continuing to pad you along towards something that you're right. You can pin him as a, a something to hope for, for next year. Only, only 420 feet to center field. What a, what a strange uh, confluence of offenses uh, that they have in Washington. It was, it was strange seeing that ball uh, go over the wall, but only 420. Actually, going into Monday's game, his average exit velocity for a home run was 109.7 miles per hour. Very loud wow. and very far. Average distance was 440 feet. No player with eight or more home runs at that point. Uh, had averaged a faster exit velocity or a longer average distance off his bat. It's It's been great. He talked with Thomas Harding 
over the weekend and just said that he's in a good mental headspace. Quote, every day is a new day for an opportunity. Some days it gets frustrated. Two strikeouts on Saturday. I wasn't able to put the ball, the bat on the ball and give our team a chance. But in the third at bat, I was able to put a good swing on the ball. That being the 445 foot homer off JT Chirgois. And, you know, and you and I have talked to him. We know how real he is. I mean, this is a guy who will tell you exactly what he's thinking. And I forget which game it was during the homestand that he made that dive in right field and missed the ball. And the next day he talked about how that he lost the game for the Rockies. I mean, he actually said that. So he really takes everything on his own shoulders. But he's also a guy that, you know, if he does have a slip up, a bad game, whatever, he's absolutely going to make that correction for the next game. As Jake Smith points out in our chat, live on the DMVR Sports channel on YouTube. Again, if you happen to be listening to this as a podcast, go ahead and uh, rate us, review, leave a comment on that. But Jake's saying uh, here on YouTube, can't believe Cleveland traded him, especially an exciting player like that. Didn't really give him a chance much last year. He came up a little bit. Obviously, he was blocked at third base by Jose Ramirez. Tried him in the outfield a little bit. Uh, clearly did not like what they saw uh, out of him there. And just said, yeah, you know what? I don't know if there's really enough room for this guy in our roster. Also traded nice prospect in Will Benson uh, to the Reds at that point. So, you know, I think the Rockies uh, might be be able to do that a little bit more here at this trade deadline, uh, pulling players and prospects from other teams' organizations. What was your take on the Pierce Johnson deal to Atlanta on Monday? Honestly, I thought it was a really good deal. You know, I, I think that uh, it was a good deal for the for the Braves. Uh, I think Pierce can do well in their bullpen, but it, I think it's a real good deal for the Rockies as well. And that's what I think Rockies fans are hoping to see as the trade deadline comes up. And I know we're going to talk about that. But, you know, these guys who are not a part of the plan for 2024, what can you get for them? And certainly you're not going to give them away. But if you can pull a deal like they did with Pierce yesterday, I don't think there's anybody that's going to complain about that. Yeah, they get two guys in Victor Vodnik and Tanner Gordon that are going right to double A. Uh, in fact, Connor Van Skoyak, but he said yesterday, uh, yeah. the player who came from the Mike Moustakis deal, also going to Hartford. And you say, all right, well, you know, we'll wait and see what happens with these guys. They're uh, essentially a level away, right? Triple A. Uh, but we have seen the Rockies promote players from double A Hartford uh, these last two years. And you go, okay, so basically they could be players who impact the 2024 roster and certainly the 2025 roster. Well, how did the 2023 roster get in this pr predicament? We'll go back and look at 2021. You only trade Michael Givens uh, and you, you bring back Case Williams and Noah Davis, who has impact and has been a part of this year's roster. And then last year in 2022, the only of MLB's 30 teams to not make a trade. You go, ah, there is some kind of correlation between trading expiring assets and a season in which you're clearly out of it and bringing back something that can help your, your future of your franchise, even if it's only in the short term. Because I think for me, the thing that I worried about uh, with what the Rockies were going to do at the trade deadline is they would think, they don't have enough assets in, in Albuquerque right now. So we can't trade these veterans because we don't have enough young guys. And there's just this vicious spiral. But now you do have some new bodies that can take over. And now you are free to get rid of those expiring deals. And if you think about, you know, flashback to spring training, whenever the Rockies signed Mike Moustakas and everybody went, why? Why are you signing Moustakas? Why are you waiting so late to sign Profar? You know, there are all these questions about these veterans coming in on these one-year deals. And I think as we get toward the trade deadline, we're going to start to understand why those things happen because they're going to be trade chips. We've already seen that with Moustakas, uh, Pierce. I have no doubt that there's going to be more movement coming. And, and for Rockies fans, we know that that's 
you know, something that hadn't exactly happened a lot lately. But I think the plan all along was to try to maximize these short-term veterans to see what they could turn around and rebuild the farm system. And so many other teams do that. They utilize yeah. that. It allows you to have your cake and eat it too. Again, especially if you feel like some of your young players aren't quite ready for the the bright lights of, of Coors Field. They're not ready for the show. Then, okay, then they can get a little bit more seasoning down in AAA where you have a veteran. Boom, you get rid of one, and now you make room for uh, the young guy, which, of course, that could be the case with C.J. Crone. Uh, yeah. If he ends up getting dealt, you got Michael Tolia and Elias Montero waiting in the wing. So, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. That's why so many teams end up doing it. Uh, Jake Bird did it yesterday. Third start there as uh, as the two-inning opener. One hit, no runs, no walks, no strikeouts. Does a nice job. I, I threw it out there, I want to say, in the last week, this idea that I wonder if, and it probably is not going to happen because now the Rockies are making moves and they, they've improved their depth. But really with Kyle Freeland and Austin Gomber, the only two sure things, for 2024, maybe between Lambert and Siebold, you have a number three starter there. But with so many other guys uh, on the 60-day IL, Tommy John surgery for Senzatella uh, and uh, Herman Marquez, you need some guys to start. Could they stretch Jake Bird out? Could he be a, a candidate to possibly stretch them out? It's not something the Rockies have typically done in the past, but if anyone would be up for it, I could see Jake Bird doing that. Oh, absolutely. You know, and you you and I have both heard Buddy talk about that he's not a big fan of the opener or calling it anything like that. But I, I know from Bird's college experience, UCLA, being a starter, everything else, I think they absolutely could stretch him back out. Now, it depends on, you know, what does that bullpen look like for next year? And I think we're going to know the answer to that in a week. But I really do think that you're exactly right. They could push Bird out, I think, and could make him a starter depending on the needs. Yes, we don't want him to fly away from the bullpen and into the rotation. But as it were, sometimes those things happen. And, and something that you can definitely make happen is turning $1 into $200 of bonus bets when you join Bet365. You download the app, deposit $10. You claim your $200 in bonus bets as soon as you place a $1 bet. It's that easy. Download the Bet365 app and use code DNVR365 when you sign up to an app like Bet365 who's pioneered live in-game betting. 80 million users worldwide and a proud partner of the Colorado Rockies. And right now, if you bet 365, get the baseball early payout offer where you're a winner. If your team goes up by five runs ahead, that's it. Doesn't matter what happens after that. You get an instant payout parlay and same game parlay selections will be marked as winners. Download the app and use code DNVR three, six, five. When you sign up must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and go and have a little bit of fun. Be an athlete yourself with Volo Sport. Man, they've got unlimited pickups. They've got drop-ins and tournaments. Uh, you can play per month or you can have access for the entire year. Uh, softball, cornhole, bocce ball, pickleball, bowling, mini golf, like you name it. Be active. Meet new friends. Meet new people. Uh, find the love of your life out there. It has happened with Volo Sport. They're doing it in Lodo, Rhino, Uptown City Park, Highlands, Sloan's Lake, all around Denver. It's amazing. And when the adults pay, the children get to play for free because the Volo Kids Foundation is a separate 501c3 that provides free sports camps to kids in each Volo city. So check them out at volosports.com. 
Com. I got to check out Carl Kaufman because he now has an ERA under 10, yes. which feels good. Jake Bird was in that same boat, too, if you remember early on in the season uh, with a really bad outing against the Dodgers. But gets that ERA uh, under 10. Unfortunately, one of the uh, inherited runners he left out there, I want to say in the seventh, ended up scoring. But four innings pitched, uh, two hits, one run, one walk, no strikeouts, and gets his first big league win. That's wonderful to see from the University of Michigan product. It is, and it's something that we need these young pitchers to get some of those milestones, some of that experience along the way. You know, Buddy always talks about, you know, every day's a test. And when you see a Carl Kaufman coming through, and, you know, and I'm still going to say a Jake Bird as a young guy. I'm still going to say, you know, Peter Lambert, obviously. Anytime that those guys can pass the test, it only bodes for good things down the road, whether it's this season or in 24. Yeah, definitely young in terms of service time and young in terms of the fact of they don't really even know what they are, what, what their capabilities are. Uh, I think if you're talking about a guy who might be 30, 31, you're like, hey, maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. But these guys are still in their mid-20s, so there's definitely a lot of hope you know, uh, uh, tied to that. So uh, that's been good to see uh, for the rest of the series. We've got Austin Gomber versus Trevor Williams at 5.05 down in D.C., and then Lambert and Jake Irving on Wednesday at 10.05 a.m. That actually allows us to still have a 1 p.m. show here on the DNVR Sports Channel live on YouTube. Do you like morning baseball? Are you a fan of that? I am a fan of that. I mean, why not, right? You know, I think uh, I think those early NFL games, early MLB games, absolutely have some brunch, watch a little sports. Uh, but I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to that matinee just to see what Peter Lambert can do now. Because we've seen Lambert so many times in the very start of his career. You know, he looked good at Wrigley. He looked good for two or three of those starts, and then all of a sudden the wheels kind of came off a little bit. So what has he learned from that, and can he carry something over into that Nationals game that's the matinee? Yeah, that'll definitely be important uh, after the really solid outing. Last week, we got a reunion with Corey Dickerson, which I was thinking about. Charlie Blackman's the last guy that was that he was teammates with that's on the Rockies. I mean, I'm sure, like maybe he saw Ryan McMahon on the backfields, you know, but ultimately, that's a, it's a long time ago. I mean, he was traded in 2016, so that's, that is a long time, but man, time flies. It is good to see Chuck swinging the bat. You know, it sounds like he's going to be coming back, which is a really good thing, I think. But then it's a question of where does he fit in? You know, and I think that's one thing to really see. You'd think he's probably going to be that DH guy, just stay in the DH role, uh, you know, but who's going to lose at bats by that? I'm real curious to see. Yeah. And uh, Kyle Freeland, of course, throwing, as uh, we talked about earlier in the week, gets in his little uh, exhibition game. I think he was facing Austin Wins for a period of time. Uh, it, it is amazing. I'm glad we've got a pitch clock now to, to keep these games quicker because you've been down to spring training too. Guys like, hey, I just need a couple of ABs or I need 40 ABs to get ready for the regular season. And sometimes that'll be, there'll be three or four ABs at bats in the course of 15 minutes. They go yeah. out on a backfield, they face live pitching and you're like, okay, that wasn't at bat. Then they'll go back up. And like in 15 minutes, you're like, hey, I, I just accomplished what I needed. That goes that goes towards the 40 AB tally to get ready for opening day. It's amazing. Check the box, man. I'm telling you. And you saw spring training schedules came out today. Which I'm oh, really I did excited. not. No. Yeah. Spring training schedules are out. I'm excited about that. That was a good way. You know, we've got the 24 schedule already. Now 24 spring training. And I'm going to give you one guess who the Rockies open up spring training against. I bet you'll never guess. I'll, you're right. So I should, probably shouldn't guess the Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You must have seen the schedule. You must have. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I, I don't think because they probably would have announced this, but Rockies, are they going anywhere for spring training? I'm guessing probably not. 
I don't, it didn't look like it, just a quick scan down. They end with a pair in, uh, against Milwaukee uh, before they break, and then we know they stay there in Arizona to play the Diamondbacks. So they'll just kind of hang out. And uh, I did see something interesting, though, uh, that the Cardinals will end their spring training against the Cubs in Arizona on the way to Los Angeles to open up the season next year. Oh, okay. That's gonna be kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that is that's very strange. That has like exhibition vibes from what 2019 when it was the Rockies against the isotopes of like what What? you shouldn't be here. (laughs) Something uh something's not right. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, that's that's very interesting to to see that. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I, I like that baseball. I feel like it used to be August where they would release the the next year's schedule. And now, hey, let's kind of do it during the all-star break. Yep. Uh, maybe try to get people hyped. It's hard because there's still another half season, you know, to go and, and you've got the postseason. Were there any matchups for next year that you're you you looked at and said, Hey, this is an interesting one, either for the Rockies going on the road or coming to Coors Field that you're like, you know what, that that might be at the top of my list of a favorite series to uh keep my eye out on. I think you know, you and I have talked about that Toronto series. I think yep. that's gonna be a blast. Uh, I think to be up there, uh I absolutely think there's gonna be all sorts of those vibes when the Red Sox come here. Uh, you know, uh lots of fans will turn out. I'm really curious to see, of course, you know, complete flip of this year. So we had the Yankees fans in this year. Will the, will the Red Sox fans carry as much as the, the Yankees fans did? But, but for me, it's, it's the Toronto trip. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's one I've already got circled on the calendar. How about you? Yeah. Me- Mexico and Tur- in Toronto, yeah. Mexico yes. and Canada in April, like yes. right off the bat. It's that's great. And yeah, with the Boston one, you know, you hope it, it's certainly, as you said, you bringing up the, the Yankees and Yankees fans invading Coors field. Okay. Uh, that would really be a shame, I think, that this time next year, uh, because it will be July twenty second through twenty fourth, where the Boston comes to town. It's one thing if if opposing fans, you know, come into Coors Field, yeah, you don't love to see it, but it would be particularly disappointing for Rockies fans, the diehards who have a hard time getting a ticket, or the price does become inflated, yeah. to welcome Trevor Story back. You know, it's not just a a big city team; it's Trevor Story's return to Coors Field. And so I think that's that's obviously something you you don't want to happen, but unfortunately probably will right in the thick of summer when everybody wants to be at Coors Field. It'll be interesting this weekend against the Oakland Athletics. How that? We'll still probably average, you know, a little under 40,000 for all three games. And, and enough of the diehards are already going to know about the legends that are coming out. There's a cool cap that's being given away on, on Sunday, actually a bobblehead on Saturday. So we could, we could get 120,000 to see one of the worst baseball teams in the history of the world. And yes, I am talking about the Oakland athletics. Well, you and I need to put an over under on how many sell shirts that we see come into the, to the state, because I think there will be uh, quite a few represented there. I have no doubt. And what color will those cell shirts be? Oh, they'll they'll be green, but I have a feeling. I have a feeling you might see some others. Just oh, green, green for City yeah. Connect. Green that's or, <laughs> for the A's. Colorado green. <laughs> Man, no. well, I, either way, whoever you're rooting for this weekend, I don't think they're. I don't think the Oakland fans travel uh, all that well. Then again, hey, and if you are an A's fan and you want to go see your team play, hey, come out to to Denver and and. Put money in someone, another billionaire owner's hands that uh, you that fans don't necessarily like how they're running the team. You could do that. I I will I will wager you, uh, which you know you and I have these friendly wagers. I will bet you there's more A's fans in attendance simply because of this being the melting pot that it is in Denver. 
uh, I, I would have a feeling they'll be playing a green and gold in the stands this weekend. I, I'd be curious if we see any Giants fans as well. Just saying like, hey, yeah. I don't root for the A's, but this could be one of the last times I get to see them. Could be the last time the Oakland Athletics comes to come to come to Coors Field. It, it very well. That's another one that's on the 2024 slate. Colorado goes to Oakland for possibly the last time. Saying goodbye to the, the Al, Oakland Alameda. That's sad. Very sad. Yeah. What's not sad is Shady Rays. But you know what? Maybe if you are sad, you can put them on and cover up your, your swollen uh, cheeks there, your red eyes, whatever it is. No, you're going to look great with Shady Rays, especially when you use promo code DNVR because you buy one, you get one free. They keep you covered from the sun to the slopes with their premium polarized shades. You can go down to the Park Meadows Mall where if you buy two or more polarized shades, you get 50% off those bad boys. And the best part is they have a lost and broken replacement policy. So if you happen to have one of those accidents where you no longer have your shady rays, either it's out of your possession or you've broken them, guess what? They're going to hook you up. They'll send you a brand new pair. It's amazing. If you don't like it, Free returns, uh, full refund within 30 days. It, it just you can't miss with Shady Rays. I love wearing mine all the time. And yes, Kevin does give me crap when I wear them simply because he thinks I'm trying to be too cool wearing the shades in the press box, as it were. And and he's right. But you know, I just they feel so good on my face. Uh, what might feel not so good on your face is getting injured or getting hit in the head, or maybe it was a rideshare situation, automobile accident. Whatever it might be, you have to call the folks down at Bacchus in Shanker, 222-2222. Free call, free consultation. Look, they'll even work on your case for free until they win you money. And they've actually done it to the tune of over $1 billion. We're talking 25 lawyers, 100 folks on staff. They've got offices in Aurora, Inglewood, and yeah, Denver, Fort Collins. Check them out. Again, they're here to help, so you might as well just make that phone call. It's super easy. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial 222-2222 to find out if you have a case because Bacchus and Shanker wins. Kev, I do want to talk about the RSN situation in Colorado. We've we've had that issue with Nuggets and Abs in the past. Uh, there's some stuff going on down in Arizona, and actually Susie did a nice job catching up with our – He's, he's like a brother to me too, right? Uh, down at PHNX Diamondbacks. Jesse Friedman of PHNX Diamondbacks. Here's their conversation about everything going on with the Bally Sports Group and MLB stepping up to make sure that Diamondbacks fans can still stream and watch their favorite baseball team. Pod now is PHNX D-backs, Jesse Friedman. Jesse, how are you guys doing down there? Oh, we're we're all right, Susie. Uh, the Diamondbacks took two out of three from the Atlanta Braves just now. Uh, they also, unfortunately, did not win the series finale. So uh, it's been a bit of a trend around here where the Diamondbacks are on the verge of a sweep and then something disastrous happens in the series finale. So people are a little disheartened over here because of that. But all in all, you'll take a series win over the best team in baseball. I, I think Diamondbacks fans should be pretty happy with uh, how this week has gone so far. I'm literally rolling my eyes at you right now. Like, oh, no, <laughs> something disastrous happened, and we didn't get to sweep the best team in baseball. <laughs> we only won the series. Like, get the, I actually, I don't even want to talk to you anymore. No, uh, what I do want to talk to you about is how Diamondbacks fans are watching games now because of the whole Bally Sports bankruptcy diamond sports group issue uh and now you guys have your broadcasts taken over by mlb tv what does this look like right now 
It's interesting. Yeah, it's something we've we've been anticipating for a while that this would happen. And sure enough, it finally came to fruition uh, earlier this week. But yeah, basically, a lot of it's the same. Not much has changed. If you were able to watch Diamondbacks games before on cable or on some sort of a streaming service, I believe in pretty much all cases, you're still able to watch them on, on cable or, or with that streaming service. You just might have to find them on a different channel. Uh, so here in the office, uh, I believe we have Cox. We just hopped over to a different channel and, and the game is, is still there. Uh, the big thing that has changed, and this is, this is something that a lot of people are talking about, is the essentially the removal of blackouts. Basically what's happening is Major League Baseball has the ability to now offer a direct-to-consumer product where people can watch games directly on MLB.tv. Um, unfortunately, common misconception, if you had MLB.tv before and you live in Arizona, you're not able to get access to these in-market games. You're still technically blacked out now like you were before. However, there's an additional $19.99 per month that you can pay that does give you access to these in-market games, which is substantially cheaper than any kind of cable service. So theoretically, you know, for people who were just getting cable to watch Diamondbacks games or maybe didn't want to get cable just to watch Diamondbacks games, this is a much cheaper way for them to get access to those games. Oh my gosh. I mean, that is, that is huge. The fact that there's even an option to uh, not be blacked out from these games when this is the biggest issue I think a lot of people have with the, the availability of watching any MLB team. I feel like that might be the only silver lining in all of this, even though this is kind of a mess. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. We certainly feel for for some friends over at Bally Sports Arizona. A lot of the crew was was kept around, so the Diamondbacks still have the same play-by-play broadcaster, same color analysts on the broadcast. They've kept some sideline reporters as well. But there are some people... Uh, who worked for Bally Sports, who had a role in in the pre- or post-game shows. Those have kind of been cut down uh, with Major League Baseball taking over. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, there are some people who've, who've gotten some hard news over the last few days. We certainly feel for those people. But the quality of the broadcast is what people keep talking about. Uh, Major League Baseball has has done it pretty well. A lot of people really like, um, you know, the score bug, some of the different like graphics that they have on the screen. It's a very different look from what it was before under Bally Sports Arizona. And people seem to be pretty on board with it. Okay, so it's a different look. That's very interesting to me. Um, my next question was, I think you just uh, touched on this. Can you, t- how do we know or can you tell how many previous staff members were kept along for you know this new iteration of Diamondback broadcast, it's it's a little bit hard to say behind the scenes how many people are are still around. Um, the the people that that you know fans are used to seeing on the broadcast are all still there. Jody Jackson was the team's primary sideline reporter. She's been in Atlanta doing these games against the Braves while the D-backs are on the road. And like I said, the guys in the booth calling the game are still the same as well. Um, as far as people behind the scenes, though, cameramen and whatnot, I believe there were some freelancers that were used before that I think will continue to be used by Major League Baseball. The primary producer of the broadcast is also has been carried over, but there are definitely some people behind the scenes who unfortunately, at least it appears, will not be will not be carried over. Oh, that is that is such a shame. Um, you always hate to see that our brothers and sisters from other networks but um i mean overall like how uh, what what are you thinking is it is, do you think it's going to work out do you see more changes coming later on in the season next season i'm just trying to catch the vibe of these broadcasts down there 
Yeah, the the long-term outlook is really interesting. Uh, Diamondbacks president and CEO Derek Hall spoke a couple days ago about next season and and what the possibilities there look like. My guess is that the D-backs will continue working with Major League Baseball into the future, but Derek Hall talked about potentially bringing some other partners in as well in order to increase distribution. The Diamondbacks would Maybe they they do something that's you know directly over the waves. Maybe that's an option for them. Um, they've talked about trying to add additional streaming services and whatnot, trying to get the product out there to as many people as possible. Um, but yeah, it does appear that Major League Baseball taking over um, the TV rights is kind of where this is headed. Major League Baseball has the ability to broadcast these games, and as I said, they look pretty good. I think I think they're doing as good a job as as anyone in the league broadcasting these games. And so I anticipate Major League Baseball probably continuing to do this for a while, but there's still a lot of unknown. We don't know exactly what the revenue is going to look like. Um, Rob Manfred said earlier this season that teams would be guaranteed 80% of the revenue that they were bringing in with their previous TV deals, which seems to be a, a pretty fair number, but obviously the Diamondbacks would love to get that up to 100% if they can, or potentially even make more money in the future than than what they are now. So um, yeah, the, the financial ramifications of this is something we, we don't have a, a great sense of at this point. Oh man, it sounds, it sounds wild out there, but, um, good stuff that you guys are doing. You guys aren't going anywhere. Keep us posted. Uh, but Jesse, thank you so much for joining the pod. Enjoy the rest of the season. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me. And Kevin, I know, uh, you've, you've have yeah. a, a lot of connection of course with, uh, with San Diego and the Padres and, and they've been going through the exact same thing. You know, what, what's that look like with the, uh, RSN there in that city shutting down when MLB taking that over as well? Yeah. And you know, they were the first ones to kind of go through this and I'm going to echo a little bit about what Jesse and Susie were just talking about, about the change, uh, you know, from Valley sports, San Diego to MLB taking it over. And I can tell you, uh, I do reside some on Padres Twitter, just see what's going on over there. And I will tell you, there's been a lot of positives about the look and also the continuation, you know, uh, uh, the same announcing crew that everybody loved, the same sideline reporters, everything stayed the same. So, I mean, kudos to MLB for having a plan B for the, for this. Uh, but I really liked what Jesse was saying there about the rev share and what's coming in. I haven't heard that on the San Diego side, but definitely something I want to check out. Yeah. 80%. Sounds like a high number, but yeah. that, that's a decent cut that you're getting uh, from from 100%. But over the long haul, it does seem like this will be a good thing for MLB to to possibly control all of yeah. these, you know, RSNs and, and not have to deal with blackouts and really offer a package where you can just watch baseball all day long and MLB Network becomes more of, you know, what NFL has with the red zone and you can yeah. just be nonstop baseball 24 seven. Sure. We want to hear interviews with players and have interesting conversations about what's going on with this team and uh, trades and, and prospects, all that. But if there's just one stop shopping where you just had every single game, that's, that's going to be a, a game changer uh, <laughs> to use a phrase there. And, and, it, and it seems like we're going to be on that way in spite of this kind of having a negative tone, at least at first. And I can tell you at first Padres fans were like, wait a minute, I've got to pay extra now to do this. But the more that people understood the value that came with it and that uh, knockout of the blackouts, uh, people have been okay with the price tag so far. So I think MLB may have actually, dare I say, done something right here. That's it. It's always going to be about the price tag. That's probably why if you head out down to the corner of Colfax in York at the DNVR bar and you're a diehard, you get 15% off your food and drink. 
if you're not a diehard, well, you can still come down on Tuesdays where there's $3 tacos, tequila specials. On Wednesday, USA, Netherlands, world, well, I should say global chalice season. Let's go with that. Thursday's got happy hours, 4 to 6, $11 burger and beer specials on Fridays. And, yes, Saturday night, UFC 291, round two, if you will, Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier. That's going to be good stuff. Again, that's at the DNVR bar. Make sure you head on down there. And if you're a diehard, you also get 20% off all the gear over at DNVR Locker, 20% off on any of the tailgates that we have, any of the takeovers. It's fantastic. You get a free shirt each and every year with your diehard membership, access to the diehards only Discord. Absolutely fan freaking tastic. All right, Kevin, before we get to Susie here in just a moment, what are you hearing on the MLB trade front? Let's not talk about the Rockies. Let's just talk about the rest of baseball right now. It seems like there's only like eight teams. Uh, I think Jim Bowden just broke something down earlier today. Four teams in the NL, four teams in the AL are definitive sellers. Everyone else is either buying or they're still kind of on the fence. That's not a lot of teams that are selling. No, and it's the amazing thing. You think about the Mets, you think about the Padres, both of those are not committing to selling at this point. And both of those have so many nice trade chips that people would be very interested in acquiring. Of course, you know, the whole everything revolves around Shohei Otani. Uh, but the more and more that we hear, the more it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, the Angels have been playing decent baseball as of late, even without Mike Trout, uh, without Rendon. So I, I don't see him going anywhere. But I really think that what's going to be the really fascinating thing to watch is, you know, and you may have seen the report that's come out, is that the Dodgers are looking to see if the Cardinals would part with Nolan, to see if there's a chance with only, I think it's $79 million he's got left now on his contract, would St. Louis be willing to ship him to the Dodgers in exchange for a lot of pitching product process? Pro, sorry, prospects. Wow, that's, that, that's that's the, that's the one that's been floated out there today, and it's being talked about a lot right now. There, there's a lot involved in that because you know we we've said it plenty that Nolan had an opportunity to opt out in the off season, and yep. you saw what Manny Machado was was able to make in free agency. And hey, Nolan, you you definitely could have gotten something you know close to that. Machado's only a little bit younger. You know, they're they're very similar players. I, I think I would I would probably rather have uh, Arenado. Uh, that being said, he decided to stay in, in St. Louis, keep his deal. I think because St. Louis probably couldn't have really offered him anymore with with the Rockies. You know, supplementing a lot of that yeah. that income he was making. So sure, we can we can uh, add another year onto your deal, but you're still going to be making the same exact amount because now all of a sudden we just tore up the Rockies contract. So he decided to stay in St. Louis now with given the opportunity of going. He's not going to be making more money with the Dodgers. No, but he not. can go back home to the L.A. area with the Dodgers. He would be helping the Cardinals out. But, man, that is a totally different situation. Now Nolan's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because he committed to St. Louis. And now if St. Louis is going to him saying, hey, you could really be doing us a favor, hey, St. Louis Cardinals, I, I already did you a favor. Now you, you're coming back at me again. I'm going to look like a bad guy here, I think, either way. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how much smoke there really is with that fire because you're right, the fits are there. Nolan being the SoCal guy and everything else, and we know every time he went back, there was family in the stands and everything else. But the question becomes, and you know this as well as I do, Nolan wants that ring. He wants to win a title. And is he going to have a better chance in St. Louis over the next three years? or L.A. over the next three years. And I think that, you know, if he thinks that L.A. is a possibility and the Cardinals come to him and they say, 
would you waive your no trade clause if dot, dot, dot. Uh, I think that that's the one place that that would actually, he'd say, yeah, okay, I'll do it. It's, it's so interesting that you, you bring that up. And, and one of the reasons why I love having conversations with you, because I never know where the conversation is going to go. And you know what? I tell you what, in, in a matter of three months, everything changed for Nolan Arenado, where he signed that big extension ahead of the 2019 season with Colorado. And then halfway, he basically said, well, look around. It, it does look a little bit like a rebuild, right? They were picking up guys off the scrap heap. You know, they, they weren't they weren't active at the trade deadline, the, the, uh, despite the fact that they were in uh, one of the final wildcard spots at the beginning of July. So they weren't active. They didn't do anything. And so he got very frustrated. And yep. by the end of that season, you know, we don't know, really know what happened behind those doors between him and then general manager Jeff Breidich. But that was the end. Goes from, hey, I'm, I'm here for life with this extension at the beginning of 2019. A few months later, it, it all fell apart. The same could happen in St. Louis if, if this does go down where, hey, no, I'm committed to St. Louis. You guys don't have to pay me anymore. This is where I'll raise my family. And then in three months – looks around and goes, you know, Pools isn't here. Molina isn't here. Yeah. Team seems to be like they're in disarray. Is it going to be like this for the next couple of years? If not, may, maybe I do want to uh, take that escape pod and, and go to L.A. and win a World Series there. I mean, it's a possibility. And you, you think about, you know, one of the big things that stirred Rockies fans up so much was the talk that Nolan and Adam Wainwright were talking a little bit, you know, the videos going back and forth and all that kind of stuff. You know, Wainwright is getting ready to be out of there. It's really that Molina, Pujols, Wainwright, that whole guard is getting ready to be gone. You know, and after next year, you don't really know what Paul Goldschmidt's uh, future is going to be there in St. Louis either. So Nolan's going to kind of be the guy. You know, sure, you've got the Jordan Walkers. You know, I just read a report right before we came on that they're not going to trade Tyler O'Neill because they think they're, he's part of the future. You know, but if Nolan's going to be the guy in St. Louis – are they going to build enough pieces around him? Just like the, the question was here. Will they do that? And I'm really fascinated. That's going to be another part about the trade deadline, I think, really to watch is what does St. Louis bring in that can actually help them next year? He, he definitely cares about his legacy. I think that's okay. part of where, you know, again, had a 2019 before that extension. He really trimmed down, worked on his diet, started thinking about, well, you know, if there's no Rockies in the Hall of Fame, as, as there wasn't any uh, at that time, you know, maybe I need to go somewhere else. So do you stay in St. Louis and say, Hey, I, I don't want to be a, a three, maybe even four team kind of player. I'll stay here. See if I can make it work. Or do I jump to LA? Now this becomes what my third team in three and a half years. Yeah. Uh, but I do in the world series. Like, ah, that's, that's, that's a tough spot for him. It is. And especially if LA is the one that comes knocking again. This isn't Nolan saying, well, I want to go to LA. No, no, this is the Dodgers saying, We'd really like to have this guy. Now, this is all rumors and, you know, everything else. But if they're really after that and they think of him as a, dare I say, a plan B, if Shohei Otani were not to come through, it's a thought. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I think Shohei Otani rumors are also heating up. Diamondbacks and Orioles? Yeah. Orioles. Really? They're going to do that? I, I don't know about that. I think he's staying put. I, I can't see him going East Coast, even for the Yankees. I really just don't see that happening. I think he's going to be a West Coast guy. Uh, Baltimore and Arizona do have the the prospects to maybe make that trade, but is Shohei really going to want to put on the black and orange? I just I don't see it. 
maybe maybe the purple i don't know you know what let's bring in let's bring in Susie hunter here let's find out if uh the shohei otani to the colorado rockies rumors uh exist or ever existed or i don't know take it away Susie. how are you doing what? that's not a, that's fiction that's fan fiction yeah, i think that's the proper term uh so good to see you guys though hey. i'm here in dc it is 900 percent humidity and about 90 degrees it is we are we are sweaty out here but how are you guys doing all good here. Good to hang with you guys. We're we're hanging in there. What's uh what is the latest? I know you got a chance to talk with Bud Black ahead of yesterday's game. Pretty happy with the haul that they got two pitching prospects for Pierce Johnson, and that might not be the last one that we get this week. Yeah, that's right. It sounds like this is not the last transaction we're gonna see by far. The way Buddy was talking, it really did sound like we're going to see not just one more transaction. We're going to see several more. So a big change from what we saw last season in terms of the Rockies being the only team that did nothing at the trade deadline. That's not going to be the case this year. They're going to be doing a bunch. Um, and really, it sounds like pitching prospects are the priority because as we've seen with our eyes this whole season, you actually can't have enough pitching. Need those bodies. Absolutely need them Them bodies. Two bodies that are a little banged up right now. One, he's on the trade market. The other one, probably not. Chris Bryant, CJ Crone. Uh, status of them, they're, they're hoping to get back into the lineup tonight. I don't think we uh, have that lineup just yet for Tuesday's game. But Crone, they need to get back in the lineup, get him healthy so that they can perhaps ship him and his expiring contract off to another team. Yep. Yeah, that's right. I haven't, um, uh, I haven't seen a lineup yet. We don't know who's playing tonight yet. We have no idea. But, um, yeah, I mean, I saw C.J. Crone walking around the clubhouse, and he was doing, you know, some light activity yesterday. That's what Buddy told us. So I think we'll see C.J. Crone in the lineup sooner than we see Chris Bryant. I think Chris Bryant still needs an X-ray of sorts. He needs some kind of imaging for that finger because people keep hitting him with pitches. So rude. So rude. But, yeah, yeah it's nice to see that uh, C.J. Crone – working towards getting off the aisle because he is one of those big trade candidates that we want to be healthy so he can go off to somewhere else and have a good time maybe play for a contender but then we can get a little something back too we need a little something yeah Rocky's being a little bit cautious with cj crone right now close to returning uh brian apparently had like a little splint on his hand uh i guess imaging looked okay in miami they're going to do some more again. Look, hey, that happened with Charlie Blackman. He got hit in the hand in Kansas City. Seemed fine, played on, and then it got even worse. So uh, you definitely don't want that to happen. Uh, more injuries or more bad news, really, uh, which was unfortunate. Rockies bring over the two new prospects from Atlanta, but then they got really bad news about three of their other pitching prospects, including Antonio Senzatella. Yeah, it is kind of crazy to see four guys in an organization getting Tommy John at the same time. It's, I've never seen anything like that. I think a lot of people are really shocked to see something like that. You have to wonder, I mean, is that a coincidence or is this something mechanically that these guys are learning in the Rockies organization that is destroying elbows? I'm, I'm concerned. I think, I think seeing four Tommy John surgeries happening at the same time is a huge red flag. Yeah. It could be a coincidence. might not be. Kevin, is your elbow, uh, bugging you at all is it right now right now it's feeling good you know but but i was disappointed to see gabriel hughes on that list i think that uh, that's definitely going to be something that you know obviously sets him back and i think he had such high hopes that he was going to be a guy that was going to progress through the system quickly and be able to help the rockies sooner than later yeah you got right. two pitchers yeah. two pitchers from that 2022 uh much vaunted 
class. Uh, Rockies did a great job, but you have both 21-year-old Gabriel Hughes, 19-year-old Jackson Cox, and then another teenager in Jordy Vargas uh, were those three in addition to Senzatella, who we already knew uh, was going to go under the knife. But, yeah, all four of those guys, uh, that, was, uh, that was not great. Uh, in in general, uh, Susie, any any final words? I know you got clubhouse to go to. Yeah. Uh, any any food, any cuisine that you're going to be checking out down in that's park? Oh my gosh, I will say the press box food is pretty good. Uh, they've got a made to order grill. I love it. So I'm having a good time up here food wise. Uh, and I have friends who live here too, so I got to enjoy the game sitting with them um, last night. I had a great time. I think this is a great park. I came here on my ballpark tour, but this was where I spent the least amount of time because. It was a double header because the game had been postponed due to rain. So it was 2021 is a seven inning double header. So I feel like we were in here for an hour. Like we, I got no quality time in here and all of it was pouring rain. So I actually get to enjoy some nice weather. It's a little hot, but it's fine. But it's been great. This is a great park. If you haven't been here, definitely make a trip out here. Fantastic. And, and make sure you have enough tissues on you to, you know, plug up for the bloody nose up in that press box. Because it is... Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's um uh, the field is down there and the press box is up there. It is we are literally sitting with God. That's it. Amen, Susie. Enjoy the Thank church you, of baseball. <laughs> Bye guys. Thanks. Talk to you later. The uh the other really great thing about DC and Nationals yeah. Park, as you probably know, Kev, they got the soft serve ice cream. Oh, they yes, got they it. Do. They do. They've got the views of the Capitol from the press box and the soft serve ice cream. It's hard to beat. I mean, I'm going to say it's better than the one we got in Seattle. I'm just going to tell you. Could be. It's a little Do, softer. Is it? Is it views or just view? Because they've put so many buildings up that. Oh, I know. You get like one little sliver. It's like, you know, whenever you go stand and see the mountains out the scoreboard side of things, of course. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was just such bad news yesterday, hearing about all those guys. Going down with Tommy John, and yeah, I mean that happens to the to the youngsters. Uh, I think you know I don't know how much of it all happening at once is, you know, has, has something to do with any kind of you know regimen or or um, just the way the Rockies go about their business. It could be just again postponing it for for these players. And I don't know if there's PRP injections. Uh, we obviously don't get as much uh, information and details about those young guys. But man, that's that hurts because they were already you know, really short on pitching. As yeah. you said, Hughes going through the system. I, I even thought, and it's crazy, but I thought there was at least a 5% chance. So each time that Gabriel Hughes went out there for the Hartford yard goats, it could have increased that likelihood. Maybe we needed to have some kind of Gabe-ometer like we had for Zach Veen. But I go, you know what? We might be at 5% that he can maybe even make his debut with the Rockies in the final week of the season against either the Dodgers or twins. Yeah. Normally that would seem crazy, but for this kid, for how special he's been for the Rockies, moving things along that the way that they've had and the game, just changing in general with players, not being in the minor leagues that long. I thought there was a chance. Unfortunately now impossible. And you know, you and I did not talk about that, but I thought the exact same thing. I really thought that he might be something that they bring him up just for that little, like they did Tovar, just that little sneak peek of what's to come almost. And to give him that experience, Obviously, that's that's all beside the wayside now. But I think that it's something that for him, especially, and certainly for all the guys mentioned, but I think really whenever you look at Hughes and everything that they've got invested in him as being that first-round draft pick, for him to be able to come back from this and still be able to climb that ladder and eventually help the Rockies, uh, that's definitely something to watch. 
Absolutely. Uh, I was, I was digging into some of the, some of the details. Uh, one of my many spreadsheets I had, I had created and hadn't gone through it thoroughly enough. And so I wrote a, a tiny bit about it, included it in an article that's up at the dnvr.com uh, for free about the Pierce Johnson trade. And it was about the history of every single trade the Rockies have ever made. And of course in 2021, when they finally, uh, you know, made that deal uh, where they traded Michael Givens. And of course they did with Moustakas last month. Yeah. You know, the last time that they had a true selling off at the trade deadline, excluding 2015, was they dealt away Marco Scudero. And so you basically have almost a decade of having a losing season, a, a bad campaign, 90 some losses and, you're not making those kind of moves. So I went back to look when had they last made two trades of subtraction at the deadline. Kev, 2001 was wow. the last time that they had ever taken two, you know, veteran type players and got back, you know, multiple players or prospects. Wow. Back in 2001, uh, Dan O'Dowd's second year uh, as the GM, hence uh, Deal and Dan. That's where the nickname all emanates from. So could this be their most active trade deadline ever? Is that a possibility? It's going to be up there for sure. Because, yeah, yeah, there was about four trades of subtract. There were like five trades in total back in 2001. Um, four of them seemed like they were like true subtractions. You know, uh, they gave up Ron Vallone, but they got back reliever Jay Powell. They gave up Ron Gant, who was only around for a little while, for a prospect that they then flipped with Todd Walker to get Alex Ochoa. I think a lot of it had to do with money, you know, kind of freeing up some, some I'm not going to say cap space, but payroll ultimately. Uh, you had uh, where they traded Nafi Perez for Jermaine Dye and then immediately turned around and, and flipped him to Oakland as part of that. Pedro Estacio going to the Astros for a Colorado native and Scott Ellerton. Um they gave up Juan Acevedo, you know, who, who was an R, and they got a minor league guy who, uh, unfortunately, nothing much came of it. So 2001 and 2000, you know, they made uh, a lot of moves. In 2000, it was Rolando Arroyo, Rick Rich Crochier, and Mike Lansing, and Cash, because Lansing was on a big deal. They got back uh, Jeff Fry, Brian Rose, John Wazden. So none of these deals really even brought back major prospects. It, I think it was more of a, hey, let's just subtract some of the finances yeah. more than anything. And right now the Rockies aren't necessarily doing that. They're like, no, we let's, let's improve our farm system and let's get the best possible guy uh, that we can uh, or multiple players. And so I think this has a chance to maybe fare better for the future of the franchise, because most of the names that I saw that they were able to acquire in the late nineties and 2000, 2001, none of them really panned out as like, Hey, that, that was a, that was a smart deal. And, and you really improved the future of your franchise. You know, and, and as you mentioned earlier, all these guys going to double A, you know, it's going to be a matter of how long until they get up to the majors, if they get up there. And so we're never going to know the real value of these trades till a year or two down the road and really see what these guys can produce. But still, it's better to at least go for that lottery ticket than to have a CJ Crone or a Randall Gritchick just sitting there and knowing that 99% chance they're not back with you next year. 
and you got more competition at double A and then soon to be triple A. That's a positive thing. And you said lottery. I mean, hey, we have a draft lottery now in MLB. And so if you're within the top three uh, worst records in the game, you have a 16.5% chance of having the first overall pick. So you don't even have to have the worst record. You could be the third worst record and still end up with the best amateur player in the country at next year's draft, along with all of the, uh, you know, the finances that come with that, with the, with the draft pool. Uh, the bonus pool money that you get. So there's a lot of implications. And then you're not winning, you know, meaningless games late in the year because you're throwing into Pierce Johnson or potentially uh, a guy like a Randall Gritchick and CJ yeah. Crone or, or Mike Moustakis. Now you're giving the young guy that experience. And if they fail, that's fine. That, that's, that increases the likelihood you're going to have an even better pick and have more money in next year's draft. And if they're successful, well, that's great. That's now going on their resume. And that's still it has a positive impact on the future of your franchise. And if a Gritchick goes to, let's just say a Milwaukee, if a CJ Crone goes to Houston, you know, those are places that they've been linked to. You know what? Great. God be with you. Go win a ring, do whatever it is that you're going to do this year. But it's all about what Bill Schmidt can get back in return. And, and again, just from what we've seen with uh, it's on surface, but with the Moustakis trade, as well as Pierce Johnson so far, so good. How many more do you think we might get? MLB.com had something. I think it was 17 names that yeah. are definitely going to be on the move, whatever it were. There was four Rockies names on that list. How many? They, they've already broken the mold. Two is already like oh, you're right. astronomically more than we probably were all expecting. So how many more are there going to be, do you think? I, I will. I'm going to predict Gritchick for sure. Uh, I, think, I think he's gone. I think Brad Hand is gone. Oh. Uh, I do. I think Brad Hand will go. I'm not sure anybody's going to take Profar. I, I think that he's he has not had a year that anybody's willing to give up much. And if somebody comes with a low-level prospect or whatever, will that be enough for Bill Schmidt to turn it? I don't know. Uh, I just – I still wonder, and I want your opinion on this, has Crone shown enough to be healthy enough to be a trade ship? I mean, these back problems have come at a horrible time for him. Yeah, that that's that's the bottom line with that. With with Crone and Profar, they're both two guys that they're making a couple bucks. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's it's not that they're they're making two three million dollars for the season. That's how much they are still basically going to be owed for the remainder of the year. And so the team not only are they getting the player, but they've got to pay this contract now. And if the Rockies want to include a little bit of cash for a Profar, then I think you're gonna you're gonna increase uh, the quality of that prospect. Right. And then with Crone, like you said, there's still those questions that if you're acquiring CJ Crone, you are now not acquiring another first base option. So regardless of what you have to pay to get a player like CJ Crone, do you want a CJ Crone if he's going to be hurt? I mean, again, the yeah. best kind of uh, ability is availability. So immediately he kind of drops down a little bit in the depth chart when you're going around and looking who could possibly be available. And to what we were talking about earlier with the Mariners and the, uh, not, well, Mariners are kind of in that wait and see. I think they're buyers yeah, still, they're. Uh, but the Cubs even are, are one of those teams along with the Mets and Padres that they're on the fence. But I mean, Trey Mancini could be a guy that you say, Hey, we, we need somebody that can go out there that has a track record. CJ yep. Crone has a great track record of putting up numbers when he's healthy, but if he's not healthy, then where's his value? And that's where I think you've got to be Bill Schmidt and get on the phone now before the Cubs decide to sell, before the Padres decide to sell. You, you, you know, strike first. 
And I think that that's something he has to do if there's a chance of moving Crone. You know, and one person we didn't talk about was Brent Suter. And and I, I'm i of the opinion the Rockies are going to keep him. I think they're going to take the uh, uh, the Daniel Bard route, and I think they're going to extend him and have him as part of their, their bullpen moving forward. And with Pierce Johnson, one of the things that Buddy said was, look, he, he had talked with Pierce and – He's a free agent at the end of the year, and it almost sounds like, hey, I, I know you traded me, but it's not because I stink. It's because actually I'm quite good. Right. I have a lot of value. This is my hometown team that I grew up rooting for. I'm from this area. I very, very well may come back, and, and that could be the case with a Brent Suter if you trade him. Um, I don't know how much about, about some of those other uh, options, but even still, I very much could see that that Brent Suter uh, route going and again where is his value at because he did just come back from the il he's got the oblique thing so you know the offers for suitor might be be really low you, you might not be able to bring back much so maybe it is better to hold on him especially if you can trade brand if you can trade at least one more reliever yeah. i think it would be more understandable because again as we, we started off by talking there's so many guys that are hurt that uh, you're not going to be able to rely on for next year. It's going to be a very inexperienced roster in 2024. So, all right, if you got to keep around a veteran like Brent Suter, so be it. Different situation last year with Daniel Bard because you could have gotten a lot for him at that point. I don't know if that's the case with Suter right now. I don't know either. And, and I think that they like what Bard and Suter bring. Not, and, you know, you talk about clubhouse and everything else, but I think they really like having those two guys in the clubhouse. And of course, we know Tyler Kinley's on his way back as well. You know, we know that that's still in progression. So that's another plus for the bullpen, too. And so I think if you lose a, a Brad Hand and a Pierce Johnson, I think you've got enough reinforcements that you're going to be okay for the rest of the season. Rockies like those guys in the clubhouse. And I, like you, on our podcast, Kevin, go ahead, plug away. You <laughs> uh, you work like a madman. You're going out to L.A. to cover a series. Yeah. You're, you're doing it all. Go ahead, plug away where folks can check out your stuff. Because you don't just cover the Rockies. You cover all the teams. One of the reasons I love talking with you, because we're getting the whole experience all around MLB. Yeah, tomorrow I'll be in uh, Chavez Ravine for the Dodgers and Blue Jays. They're going to wrap up a series tomorrow, uh, doing some trade deadline poking on both those teams. Uh, while I'm out there, what are they looking for? Are they really uh, going to go after Shohei, or could they like that number 28 there in St. Louis? You know, try to find out some things. But then, absolutely, we'll be back seeing you on Friday uh, for the A's, and then those Padres to come to town for the trade deadline. But yeah, I'm at uh, fansided.com/mlb as well as calltothepen.com, uh, national columnist for Fansided, and uh, trying to keep up with what's going to be an insane week ahead, my friend. All right. I- before we get out of here, yeah. what is your take? I, I, there hasn't been a ton of Juan Soto trade rumors, but Colorado was in San Diego at the trade deadline last year. They acquired Hayter, Soto, Josh Bell, Brennan Drury, all these guys. Is it going to flip this time next week at the August 1st trade deadline yeah. next Tuesday? Are the Padres going to be saying goodbye to all these guys while they are in Colorado? My guess is yes. I think you're going to see some guys from the A's leave this weekend while they're in town. And I, I think you could say goodbye to a Brent Rooker or a Tony Kemp. And then I think you could see an exodus going from San Diego while they're here in the Mile High City. I think uh, it's very possible. If you work at DIA or you've got any flights this weekend, it could be chaotic. <laughs> Thanks to MLB. Thank you for joining us. Follow us over on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. At Patrick D. Lyons is where I can be uh, found. And uh, great time with you, Kevin. Appreciate you Appreciate giving it. us 
all this momentum. But unfortunately, as we say in the baseball podcast world, your momentum is only as good as your next show. So, of course, it's going to be a good one. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the DNVR Sports channel live on YouTube at 1 p.m.